Welcome back to a 4th of July edition of the Hypnotoad podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. It is your favorite TCU podcaster, Andrew Zimmel, talking to you about all things TCU. Today, easy one for you. Going to talk a little bit about Media Day coming up next week. Going to talk about the cookout, but first, got three horn toes that were named to all Americans to put an extra bow on baseball. Now, we said last week we we're going to wrap up baseball. Today, officially, no more baseball. No more baseball. But we had a couple guys get named to the All-American team this past week, so we want to give those guys some love. But first, it's the 4th of July week as we're recording this. Summer is in full swing. The best way to keep your beverage cool is with a Heartland College Sports koozie, and you can get one of those by leaving a review on iTunes. Go to Apple Podcast, take a screenshot, send it to the big boss, Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. That's Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Now, if you listen to the podcast anywhere else, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Podcast, wherever you listen to the Hypnotoid Podcast or any of the Heartland College Sports Podcasts, make sure you leave a review. That's a five-star review, a quick rating. Keep things moving. It's simple. It's easy. It takes 10 to 20 seconds. It is simple, all right? Helps the podcast grow, and of course, the bigger the podcast gets, the more fun stuff we can do for you. All right, let's talk about the All-American team because TCU gets three guys. You kind of knew this was coming. So it's Ben Albright, Cole Keckler, and Anthony Silva. Those were the three guys named to the freshman All-American team by D1 Baseball Com, which we love over here. We like uh, D1Baseball.com. We think they do a pretty good job. So Albert and uh, Keckler were they both were selected first team, while Silva was recognized on the second team. TCU led all programs with three honorees. Why does this matter? Well, you'd like to have young players on your team, and you like those young players to make an impact. TCU has done a good job, historically speaking, of finding young talent, cultivating young talent, turning that young talent into four-year starters in some cases, but also in other cases, MLB pitchers or MLB players. So that is why you come to TCU. That is a selling point to joining a storied tradition of Horns Rock Baseball. You come there for the potential to make teams like this to get on radars of scouts who potentially can get you to play at the next level. Now, granted, let's say 70% of it is on you to get to that next level, to continue to train and work hard, but 30% is getting in front of the right people and being seen by the people that need to see you to help you advance. So getting on these teams is important for these three guys, and it's important going forward too because now if you're a recruit and you see that TCU has three guys named the freshman All-American team, you know that there's a possibility, there's the option that you go to TCU, you've traveled to Fort Worth, and you can make an immediate impact. You can play on a team that's in the College World Series. Everything matters. All this stuff works together to help build a strong program. TCU Athletics knows it. I know it. And now you know it. All right. Coming out of the bullpen, Albright led the team with 32 appearances. He posted a 3-6 ERA, a 3-4 and record. In 55 innings of work, he struck out 71 batters and kept opponent's batting average to around 237. All those very solid numbers for a college baseball closer. Incredible numbers for a freshman. Keckler was an honorable mention all Big 12. 17 starts in 19 appearances. He posted a 10-4 record, 
the first true freshman pitcher to tally 10 wins for the Frogs since Matt Perkey in 2010. Kevlin finished the year with a 3.72 ERA in 96 and two-thirds innings of work and held opponents to a 2.16 batting average. He also had 72 strikeouts on the season. He is the pitcher that when uh, Omaha came around, everybody in the uh, bleachers was asking me, the resident TCU expert, if uh, this would be the type of guy that could go the distance, and it was proven that he could. He was a solid pitcher in Omaha. He was a great pitcher all season, and he really turned around in the back half of the year. I always have felt a certain way about freshman pitchers, especially starters. There's two groups. There's a group that incredibly exceeds all expectations you have for them, and then there's a group that they just eat up innings. And I thought Cole Keckler might have been one of those pitchers that just eats up innings early on this season, but you could see his development as the season continued and as his teammates and coaches trusted him a little bit more, you could see that the development was there and that he was the type of guy that wanted the ball on a Friday night. He wanted the ball in big spots. That is the type of thing that going forward makes me excited for this TCU program. All right, and Anthony Silva who played and started in 61 games at shortstop in his debut season. He hit 330 on the year, had 50 runs, totaled 75 hits on the season, including 11 doubles and 7 home runs. He successfully stole 17 of 19 bases, earned an invitation to the U.S. Baseball College National Team training camp, and of course he was a second-team All-Big 12 Conference performer. He also was one of those cornerstone players that got TCU baseball back to Omaha. Now the question is, is Silva the type of shortstop that you draft, maybe not, maybe not yet at least. But I do think that he's the type of guy that going forward will be a leader on, on the team. This year it was Taylor's team. Next year, I'm going to put it out right now, July 5th, 2023. I'm telling you the next season we're going to be talking about this team being Anthony Silva's team, that this is his team to help lead and control. Shortstop, one of the most important positions on the defense, one of the most vocal positions on the defense, one of the most vocal leaders in the clubhouse most of the time. I think that he's in a position going forward to be a leader on this team, to be the face of this team. Anthony Silva, that's not a name that's going to go away anytime soon. So three Horn Frogs make it on the uh, freshman All-American team by D1 Baseball. The season, we said it last week, we'll say it again this week, it was a successful one, no matter what anybody tells you. If you're a Horn Frog fan that has to deal with a lot of grief online, like myself, do not take any of it personally. A lot of people, and I hate it when other fan bases do this, but I think that it's true in this case. A lot of fan bases are very jealous of what TCU Athletics has turned into over the past five years. TCU went from a team that was good every once in a while, they'd give the premier programs, the prestige programs, a little bit of struggle, right? They, they, they put up a good fight. They make good games. They get on national TV. There's a couple years in there where the football team is really good. But I think across the board now, especially for men's sports, you see that they're not just a team that's going to put up a fight. This is a team that's going to win big games. TCU baseball did it this year. They got hot at the right time, won the Big 12, made it to Omaha. That is a standard that Fort Worth has set. That's a standard that TCU has set going forward now. Omaha or bust. Football, same situation with college football playoffs. That is the standard now for TCU football. And then for basketball, you got to make it to the uh, second round. You want to be a Sweet 16 team. 
Getting to the round of 32 is great. Getting to the Sweet 16 now, I think, is the bar for TCU men's basketball going forward as well. All right, let's talk about Media Day because that's happening next week. When we talk next week, we will be recapping a little bit of what Media Day was. So that is a little bit of a preview for you. What you know coming up on the schedule, Media Day next week, I want to say is the 13th and 14th uh, of July. So that'll be a good one. Players going, Bud Clark, that's safety Bud Clark, linebacker Jamani uh, Hodges, and cornerback Josh Newton. On the offensive side of the ball, tight end Jared Wiley, offensive lineman Brandon Coleman, and then, of course, head coach Sonny Dykes. So last year at this time, we had three pressing questions. And you go back, I was reading uh, the three pressing questions that our friends over at heartlandcollegesports.com were writing about, right? If you go over there, they've got you covered on all of the Big 12. You want to go over there, they've got some of the more insightful, I want to say, conversations, a little bit more of the insightful takes when it comes to Big 12 football. You're not going to get Homer takes from OU writers or Texas writers or Waco writers, right? You're going to get in-depth takes on your favorite teams, whether that be TCU. Hopefully it's TCU as you're listening to this podcast or any other team. Maybe you got a girlfriend that goes to Oklahoma State, right? They have you covered. Go over there, check them out. It is uh, worth your time. So these are the three pressing questions that I've come up with for this year's Big 12 Media Day. What are the three questions that should be on your mind? What are the three questions that we need to have answers to? Here they are. Can Chandler Morris pick up where Max Duggan left off? Can the TCU wide receiver room make up for talent lost? And will the defense make the next step? So let's go through all three of those. Okay. Can Chandler Morris pick up where Duggan left off? We got to remember that a year ago we were asking if Chandler Morris was going to be the starting quarterback or if it would be Max Duggan. And now we're talking about can he pick up where Duggan left off? So the conversation a year ago was there was close enough gap between these two te- or between these two players. There was close enough that we had to debate who would be the starting QB, right? And now we're wondering, is Chandler Morris going to be able to pick up where Duggan left off? The answer to me is a simple one. I think that Duggan uh, was the more experienced quarterback last year. I think that experience helped him out. But I do believe that Chandler Morris, if he plays a complete season, I'm not saying it goes to New York, but I do think that TCU has a similar amount of success. Maybe not a college football playoff berth, but I do think that they're playing in the Big 12 championship game. I think that's the way that the season would have turned out. The defense was great. The offensive weapons were there. And I have a lot of love for Chandler Morris. I think that he's the type of dynamic quarterback that can win you games in this conference. So when he got hurt last year and Duggan stepped back in, the gap wasn't so large that it was, okay, we're moving from, you know, uh, a, a Big 12 Let's say if you wanted to, if you thought that Chandler Morris was going to be all Big 12 first team, you might have been on a, an island by yourself there, okay? I don't think a lot of people were thinking that. But if you thought that Chandler Morris was going to be this incredible quarterback last year and Duggan stepped in, the gap wasn't so far that you were, okay, well, Duggan wouldn't even start for most teams. I think he would start for a lot of teams last year in the Big 12. So Chandler Morris steps back in. And I look around the conference, and I understand that Quinn Ewers and Archie Manning and, and that Texas has might or might have one of the best quarterback rooms in the country, let alone in the Big 12. I understand that. So Morris is coming into a conference that is pretty much set up to have a good quarterback room. Like, this is going to be a good quarterback conference this year. 
But I think that the rest of his lineage, right? I think that the the rest of the things that are going on around him, he's coming in to a team now two years in after leaving Oklahoma. He knows the Sunny Dykes playbook. He had an offseason with Kendall Bryles. I have a feeling that I think that Chandler Morris is going to be able to pick up right where Duggan left off. Now, if the goal is to go to the college football playoffs again, I think that that's a doable goal. If the goal is to win a national championship, I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful. I don't think that's realistic. I just don't. I look at the way that Georgia's set up. I look at the way that Alabama's set up. Maybe the SEC eats itself alive. We've been saying that for the last 10 years now, hoping that it does. It hasn't happened. They'd be getting two teams in the playoffs. It's only going to get worse as we expand the playoffs. I think they might potentially get three teams in there in the future. But I do think that Chandler Morris is good enough to win the conference. And I think that is where the, sh- the bar should be this year. After losing the Big 12 championship last year to Kansas State, I think this year TCU's goal on the whiteboard should be win the Big 12, play in the college football playoffs, and then if things wait, break the way they need to break, potentially try to win a national championship this year. But I think Chandler Morris is the guy that can get us to the Big 12 championship, and I think that's where the goal should be. Can TCU make up for the wide receivers that they lost? Losing Quinton Johnson and uh, Darius Davis, that's a tough one. I don't think any other team in college football has lost more out of the wide receiver room, especially when you consider that Ohio State kept Marvin Harris Jr., right? I, I think that this is one of the tougher spots that TCU is in. Because if you look at the way that the wide receiver room breaks out this year, here are the standouts according to uh, a couple of different websites. And, and, you know, just going off of what we have from last year, right? So J.P. Richardson, of course, is the guy that everybody's more mostly excited about, the Ohio State or the uh, Oklahoma State transfer. Uh, Savion Williams, Dylan Wright, JoJo Earl, Jared Whitley, or Wiley is the tight end that will be at uh, Media Day. Uh, Cordell Russell, all of those guys are standouts when you talk about that. Patch pass catcher room. TCU, they landed some upside with the aggressive uh, transfer portal that they've been in. Look, the transfer portal, it's a blessing and a curse. The only way that it has really worked for TCU, in my opinion, is that TCU players come to Fort Worth, they see the facilities, they see what it looks like, and then they don't want to leave. That is a good thing. The other thing that TCU's done that a lot of teams are failing to do is continue to recruit high school football players. We've seen a lot of college coaches who have had a taste of success, they want to keep that success. The way to keep that success is not by bringing in 18-year-olds. It's by bringing in 21, 22-year-olds. You bring in GAs, you bring or not, uh, you bring in grad transfers, not GAs. GAs help. Grad transfers play. Bring in grad transfers, bring in guys who have played a year or two under a different coach or a similar system. You bring those guys in, and you hope they make an immediate impact. But getting those transfers... Yeah, maybe they help, but at the same time, there's a reason they didn't stick around their last spot. Getting high school guys, I think, is super important. That's how you keep a good program. You build a good program quickly with the transfer portal. You build a good program with solid recruiting, and I think TCU's done a good job of that. So Richardson, he was productive at Oklahoma State and was the best receiver in the spring. Williams has NFL potential. We're talking about um, Samian Williams. NFL potential and a breakout year. In the fourth option, along with Wiley, who caught a touch, four touchdowns in 2022. Wright is a former top 100 recruit. So you got a couple of guys in this room right now who already have a little bit of pedigree, already have a little bit of buzz around them. And then you add in Earl and Russell, who if they turn into something, if they can get the looks that they need to get, especially come summer, go into fall, if they get the looks, 
we're talking about a really special wide receiver room. But across the board, across every internet site you go to, and it doesn't matter which site you go to, every internet site you go to is going to tell you that TCU has maybe the fourth best wide receiver room. Texas is going to be ahead of them. Uh, I saw Texas Tech ahead of them in a couple of different ones. Oklahoma, of course, is getting all the buzz. So those are the teams that are getting a lot of the early season, the preseason love. I like the way that TCU's built up their program. And the other thing that nobody else is talking about here, Sarkeesian is a very good coach at Texas. Sonny Dykes is a better offensive mind. I hate Kendall Bryles with the passion of a thousand sons. I'm not a Kendall Bryles fan by any means, right? He's a good offensive coordinator. You take the name off, you just show me what the results are, you would love it, okay? Everybody would. Every college football co- or every college football fan would absolutely love what Kendall Bryles brings to the table as an OC. They don't like the rest of the baggage. They don't like the name. I hate the name, too. But you can't argue with the results. So I think that when you take all of that into account, yes, you lost two NFL-quality wide receivers. You potentially have four, maybe five other guys in this room who could be NFL players if everything breaks their way. And if Chandler Morris is the type of quarterback I think he's going to be, now we're in an interesting spot. All right, and the last question, does the defense take that next step? Well, this is where it's tough because the defense lost less than the offense did in the draft. They lost Traverius Hodge Thompson, Hodge Thompson, uh, Tomlinson. He's the biggest loss, the, D, uh, the DB from last year, who was one of the best defensive backs in the country. Their defense looks to improve with linebacker Johnny Hodge, defensive back uh, Josh Newton, who is talking about being that next guy after Hodge Tomlinson left. He looks like the type of guy that could be another great DB, but the defense that TCU put on the field last year was just good enough to get him in spots where the offense could take the ball and carry it the rest of the way. You know what I mean? It wasn't a bend-don't-break defense by any means, but you saw what happened in the national championship game when they ran across a team that was full of NFL talent in Georgia. You saw kind of what happened a little bit against Michigan where the defense was so different against a Big Ten team that they didn't know what to do. Jamie McCarthy didn't know how to deal with it, didn't know how to make the reads, didn't know where to look on the field. That is when it worked. But the problem is now is that Gillespie's Coach Gillespie's uh, defense now is in year two. What does that do, right? It's a unique three-three-five defense that worked really, really nicely last year. But now teams have film on it. They know what you did last year against their offense. Do you have enough answers? Okay, and that's the third question. Now the fourth question. This is the extra question here. Is was last year flash in the pan? And I want somebody to ask Sonny Dykes this. I want somebody to ask one of these players this. Was last year a flash in the pan? Or is this a TCU team that can stick around? Because we've seen this happen a couple times in the past with TCU football. We've seen this happen a couple times in the past with other great college football teams. Where you have a three, four-year run, those guys leave, and then you go back to being middle of the pack, bottom half. TCU can't do that. They cannot do that, especially when you look at the way that the conference is changing. You add the teams in, Houston, BYU. You look at what other teams are doing, Texas Tech, Baylor. TCU has a chance here to be a really special team in the new Big 12 come next year. They need to assert their dominance now, kick Texas, kick Oklahoma one more time before they leave the conference, and then next year we're talking about TCU being the big dog 
in the Big 12? TCU flash the pan. We won't know those answers until TCU gives us some results. All right, now it's July 4th week, and it got me thinking. Here's our little fun part. We're going to try to do this after every uh, at the end of every one of these podcasts going forward, but it is like a little fun. We'll have a little bit of fun back and forth. Now, if you have different answers to this, tweet at me at Andrew underscore Zimmel on Twitter. I know Twitter is a hellscape. It is barely alive. It's hanging on by a fingernail. But tweet me your answer. So the question this week would be, who would I most like to have a barbecue with? Now that we're leaving the 4th of July weekend, we had a bunch of barbecues. We were around the pool, we were around the lake, had the fireworks. I picked five former TCU athletes who I would want to bring to my cookout, who I would want to invite to my barbecue. So here they are. In no particular order, but a little bit of an order. Here they are. Number one, this is my guy that I would invite. Sandy Dalton. Played at TCU from 07 to 2010. His last season was at New, it was in New Orleans playing with the Saints. Now, he played most of his career in Cincinnati. I don't want that skyline chili. I want him to bring me some of that Cajun jambalaya from NOLA. Bring Cajun jambalaya to my cookout. right? So I want Andy Dalton. I'd love to talk to him about the uh, Rose Bowl win. I'd love to pick his brain about uh, what Cincinnati was like, what was it like playing with A.J. Green, all that good stuff. What was it like playing in Dallas? I want to get all those, but I also want him to bring the Cajun jambalaya. That's what I'd ask him to bring to the cookout. Number two, Jake Arietta played at TCU from 06 to 07. Arietta helped the Cubs break the curse and bring Chicago a title. I would have him on the grill. I'd say, Jake, bring your kiss me on the cook uh, little deal. Bring, bring, bring the hot dogs. You're on the grill. I want you to teach us. What you learned in Chicago? Tell me all about the college, or tell me all about your college experience. Played at uh, Wofford Junior College in Texas. Tell me about that experience. Tell me about TCU. Tell me about what it was like pitching uh, for the Horn Frogs. But also, this is your chance to bring us some of that Chicago uh, hot dogs. The Chicago dogs—they do it the right way in Chicago when it comes to hot dogs. All right, number three, Ladanian Tomlinson might have been a lot of people's number one. I played for TCU 97 to 2000, had an amazing career at TCU, arguably one of the best, if not the best, Horn Frog football player ever. He played most of his career in San Diego, so it only makes sense for him to bring fish tacos to the barbecue. I'm saying bring me some of those San Diego fish tacos. He is currently a special assistant in the front office for San Diego. I guess they're the L.A. Chargers now. Bring me some fish tacos from your time in L.A. because that would be fun. And then number four, Desmond Bain. Now, he has a lot of responsibility for being somebody so young. Played for TCU men's basketball from 2016 to 2020. He's currently playing in Memphis. He's a Grizzly. He has the main course. He has a lot of responsibility coming to this barbecue. You thought Jake Arrieta had a little bit of responsibility running the grill? Desmond Bain, I'm asking you to bring Memphis barbecue. Yeah, bring me some of that Memphis barbecue that they're always talking about. They tell me that it's better than the Texas barbecue. We will see. Bring me the Memphis barbecue to the Andrew Zimmel Horn or uh, Hypnotoad cookout. All right, and then lastly, but not least, Yasmin Ryan. She played for TCU Women's Soccer 2017 to 2021. She is going to be the youngest person at this uh, event. Ryan was drafted number six overall by the Portland Thorn in the 2021 NWSL draft before being traded to NYC Gotham in 2022. 
So we have a lot of uh, courses, right? We have Andy Dalton bringing jambalaya. We have Jake Arrieta bringing hot dogs. We've got Tomlinson bringing me fish tacos. Desmond Bain bringing the barbecue. So what do we need? What is something that everybody forgets when they bring when they talk about a cookout? They always forget the dessert. People don't bring the right dessert. So here is the dessert because I have all these former athletes, all these incredibly gifted individuals, all these people who have a ton of cool stories to talk about their time in Fort Worth, but also their time playing professional sports across the board. Ryan, your job is to bring me the best thing that Portland has to offer, and that is the Pizza Jerk Rice Krispie Treats. When you Google best Portland desserts, this is what comes up. The Rice Krispie Treats allegedly in Portland are done completely different. I don't know what it's up. I don't know if it's something in the water. Whatever the deal is, allegedly they have the best Rice Krispie Treats. So she's playing in New York now. I don't want any of the New York food. They can keep all the New York stuff. They can keep the New York barbecue. We got Memphis barbecue. You can keep all the other good stuff. Bring me your the Rice Krispie Treats from when you were in Portland. So here's my five. Here are the five people I would want at my Hypnotoad cookout. Andy Dalton, Jake Arrieta, LaDainian Tomlinson, Desmond Bain, and Yasmin Ryan. And I don't know what I would bring to my cookout. I'd figure something out. I might bring uh, some Capri Suns. That is going to do it for the Hypnotoad podcast. Reminder, subscribe, rate, review the podcast wherever you get it. Make sure you screenshot it on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Win a free Harlan College Sports koozie by leaving a rating and a review. Screenshot it, send it to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at harlancollegesports.com. We will be back next week talking about Media Day and, of course, talking everything TCU. We'll see you next week.